GIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Manson. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And of a Friday, as always, we are ably assisted by bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you doing today, sir? Double salute to both of you and happy doodly doodly Fridays. Well, that's fantastic. You, you are dressed so warmly. How cold is it in Seattle? It's actually not that cold. I just like to be comfortable. <laughs> ah, <laughs> and okay. Benny, I, I'm thankful that I didn't get any of this crap from you there. But man, was I getting a hard time, including from some folks at the station who didn't like that I predicted that the LA Rams oh. would win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I'm going, now, do you want what sounds good or do you want the truth? <laughs> because I, I think that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree close, with you too. I win. agree with you too. Yeah. I was a big fan of the halftime show. I mean, just because I grew up with that type of music and uh, I think it was all around a great game. It was a great kind of a chill Sunday as well for us here in the Pacific Northwest because, you know, our Hawks didn't do so well this year, but it's next year is a better deal. All right. And it's a privilege to be an NFL fan and to be able to say that year after year. Yeah. My hometown is Baltimore, Maryland, so my Ravens lost six games in a row to end the season. No playoffs for them, and they're looking to make improvements as well. And the Chicago uh, Bears, you know, talk about a, a perennial Bears. heartache there. Yeah. Yes, Duh, absolutely. Bears. <laughs> Tales of the Midwest. <laughs> right. Terrors of the Midwest. We are delighted to be talking to a lady for the ninth time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. She's like almost like a regular. Yes, I almost like I love that. nine times. Now, nine is known as the name of it's actually the number that represents completion in numerology, but we don't Ooh. intend to be finished with absolutely not. We got to go for we'll a go dozen for two and, nines. and maybe a baker's dozen by the time we're finished <laughs> with each other. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and bring D on. There's so much to be said and a very exciting new book. It's been out for months, I would say, probably isn't uh, one year old yet, but we wanted to take our turn yes. talking to D Wallace Absolutely. about this wonderful book called Born and about a theme of her adult life and her teaching life as a spiritual teacher and presenter, self-creation. And what might that mean? We're going to get into that today, and there'll probably be some Hollywood talk as well. Dee Wallace, an Emmy-nominated actress, is also a best-selling author and a multinationally respected authority on the art of self-creation for over 30 years now. Dee continues to conduct her weekly call-in radio show with over 500 episodes under her belt, monthly webinars to boot, and of course, private sessions worldwide. Like E.T., she teaches us how to truly get back home. Dee Wallace has authored five books on the subject of self-creation. And so for the ninth time, we welcome to Manson Mitchell, Dee Wallace. How are you, my dear? I'm family. Yes. You are now. I love it. And I'm great. Thank you. I'm just great. I am so curious to know, Dee, in this book, because self-creation has become a, a heavy theme for you. You make you bring the light by getting into the heavy material, and that's a beautiful thing. Is there something in this latest book of yours, Born, that you are saying in your own mind as if you were saying it originally, like you caught something for the first time and you couldn't wait to share it? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but you have to understand, first of all, creation is really easy. We all want to make it a big freaking deal. <laughs> and it's just not. If you know the formula and apply it, it really is brain science. So the beauty of my work is that it's simple and it's easy to understand. And it's based in both spirituality and brain science because what I find is that a lot of spiritual people go, gee, I hope this works. You know, I, it's coming from somewhere else. I don't have any control over it. Kind of like we've looked at religion all our lives. And it's just not true. We were given the free will to create who we are. So if we're not using our free will, then the world will create upon us. And that's what born is all about. It is so simple. And just, this is a first step. This is a second step. This is the third step. And when you uh, apply it, you know, guys, if you want more money, it works with that. If you want a new relationship, it works with that. If you want more success, more health, it works across those lines. Creation is creation. And when you apply the formula, it works in anything you want more of in your life. I was curious about the title, D. Your other books, Conscious Creation, The Big E, having to do with energy, Bright Light, Getting Stuff, and Wake Up Now, uh, all have more words in it. And then all of a sudden, bam, one word, born. What were you trying to communicate in a one word title like that? Well, isn't that what we're all striving to do in every single moment of our lives? Where we want to be born. We want to be born in more money. We want to be born in more happiness. We want to be born in more health. And when the word born just automatically conjures up the beginning, right? Ah, okay. The very beginning before any of the right. doubts and the wishes right. and the I don't knows and the before any of our stories come in, yeah, we're born and, and everything is open to our creation then. That is I a, like that. That's a great place yeah. for me to ask a question I didn't even intend to ask of Dee Wallace, but it okay. just seems so fitting now. As I recall, Dee, you studied drama at the University of Kansas. Uh-huh. Okay. So when you're young and in that academic environment and being an aspiring actress, did you have a conversation with yourself or with people meaningful in your life at that time? Did you have a conversation about the fact of money. In other words, if I go out to Hollywood and if I'm going to make it big, and I remember that you always had a sense that you were destined for big things, that you weren't going to remain obscure. You weren't going to be a failed actress. You were going to make it. And you did in a big way. Money itself seems to me to be neutral energy that goes where it is welcome and flees where it is despised. 
And I'm curious to know, in your younger years studying, acting, you know, and looking ahead to your future, did you say to yourself, someday I'm going to have money, what will I do with it? I'm still stuck on the amazement of that phrase that you just said, because you, you summed it up better than I've heard anybody sum it up, other than me. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're right. If you want more money, you got to love it. And most people don't like it because they don't have it. And you can't create anything that you don't like because you're pushing it away, which I go into a lot in the, in the book born, but you know, back in college, I, you know, remember, you remember, I come from a very poor household and family, and I would literally drive back and forth from Kansas City up to Lawrence to go to, to college three days a week so I could work the other two days. So I had not... I didn't know these principles about money back then. Money was still something you struggled for. And that's what I was taught. And that's what, by the way, what most of us are taught. Oh, you have to work really hard and you have to give yourself up and you have to struggle and, you know, and then maybe you're lucky enough to make it. But what I did have, what I did have was a wonderful naivete and just a, a trust, I guess you would say, in the universe. And so I, I didn't ever look at it from the point of view of making money. I looked at it always from the point of view that this is what gave me joy. This is what gave me joy and this is what made me feel alive and this is what I wanted to do with my life. Did that well, answer your question? It, it does. It not only does it answer the question, but it leads directly into one of the things that Gary and I wanted to ask you about today. He and I had a conversation uh, in preparation for today talking about when we were young and able to be influenced or inspired, who were the kinds of people that we saw in movies and television that inspired us? And it was the first thing that we both thought of is the people that didn't inspire us. And I, and I said to Gary, I never wanted to be Elizabeth Taylor. I never wanted to be um, uh, Sophia Loren. I said, when I was watching, you know, movies, I wanted to be first and foremost, Haley Mills. And then I, I was thinking, <laughs> I like Tuesday Weld. I like Doris Day. And, and it, it's funny that I liked the kinds of actresses in the roles that you yourself portray more like the girl next door, you know, yeah. more, more people who are not um, vampish and trampish and sexy, but more like real people. And so 
Gary came up with his list. I came up with my list. But I said, we have to ask Dee, because I don't know if we ever did. Who was she looking at and thought, oh, I'd like to be in movies to be like these people? Who was it that inspired you to be an actress? Well, uh, Joanne Woodward, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Catherine Hepburn. I just, I loved Catherine Hepburn's spunk and tenacity and her, you know, for me, Catherine Hepburn uh, represented the new brave woman. Yes, yes. Then, you yes. know, yeah. uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember even reading an article about Catherine Hepburn. I don't know if it was in People or whatever about, oh my God, she walks around in trousers. Yes, <laughs> I read that same article. I mean, it wasn't it's so funny to us now, isn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> yep. Now, yep. if you see a woman in a dress, it's like, wow, she's got a pretty dress on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's but, fascinating to me too, because watching the Oscars one time with my mom, I can recall Catherine Hepburn being brought up, and of course, was given a standing ovation as a presenter. And when she showed up, she was wearing pants. She was not wearing an evening gown. And I remarked on that fact. And my mom said, oh, she doesn't care. She does, she does what she wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that was her personality. And it, was that part of what drew you to her is that she really didn't care about other pe what well, other people thought as much as just being herself? I, the way I would put it was she was authentically herself. Yes. Yep. You yep. know, yeah. I, I'm sure she cared about a lot of things, but she had the strength and the power to authentically be who she was. And I think uh, you can say the same thing about Joanne Woodward. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, Meryl Streep mm. today is, mm -hmm. is uh, to me, yeah. she is authentically who she is. Uh, in all kinds of different parts, but she brings her authenticity to that and in her life also. Well, very good. And so watching Catherine Hepburn movies and Joanne Woodward movies, you said, I think I would like to be an actress. Actually, it, it was watching my mother on stage in church. Oh, oh. When I was eight years old, my mother was a wonderful actress in community theater and <clears throat> she produced and directed all the religious plays at our church but every Christmas and Easter she would get up and do this 30 minute what we would call these days a monologue and people from four states would come around to watch my mother perform and I remember I was about eight years old and I looked around and all these grown people were crying and I I went oh I want to do this I want to move people like my mommy does that so is a great story yeah that was the influence. moment I really decided I mean you yeah. know she they had had me modeling and doing little yeah. performance readings in different places but that was the moment that I really understood that I wanted to move people. Yes, 
Yes. And something in you said that you could. Yeah, I just knew. I just authentically knew. <laughs> An appointment with your own destiny. That is wonderful that you would do all of that. And then, of course, you play Mary, the mother in E.T. And it leads to a question about your book, Born. This is something I didn't anticipate, Dee. How did E.T., and I take it we're talking about not the movie phenomenon as much as the, this creature, this invention of genius. How did E.T. teach all the principles of creation within the parameters of that one movie? Yeah, and you know, I look back and, and I think to myself, boy, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> it, I was... I was cast in a movie that was a representation of everything I'm teaching now. Mm. But did I know it at the time? Of course not. But, you know, so much of my teaching is about keeping your heart open and the power of love. Uh, love is the most powerful force we have to create with. And we all think it's some namby-pamby little thing that we're waiting for somebody else to give to us, right? Instead of just being the incarnation of love, which is what E.T. represented, right? And uh, having an intention to go home. He had an intention that he proclaimed, which was, the first thing in a create in any creation process is you have to choose what you want. You have to choose. You have to make a choice. And then, you know, he used his love and his friendship with the kids to help him create, bringing that intention into fruition. And I look back now and I go, wow, you know, I. I got it all. I mean, look at E.T. is our Wizard of Oz. It's going to be here forever. Yeah. And why? Because yeah. it reaches into your heart and reminds you of what the truth is. And, and the truth is you're powerful and your love, not that you're loving, you are literally love and and with strong intention and ingenuity you literally can create getting anywhere you need to be and with that you've given me an insight into the movie there's another layer there that i hadn't appreciated until now when the technician is there in the scene where they are attempting to save et's life and they've just discovered this other life form that's been living in this woman's house for a while <laughs> there. And they, they gave you an impromptu remodeling of your home in the process. And they're yeah. all turning it into a big lab. And I remember the female technician saying excitedly, E.T. has DNA. And I thought, wow, that's interesting that they would say that has DNA like us. But I didn't appreciate it at the level that I can right now. Of course he has DNA because ultimately and most fundamentally, we're all one. 
That's right. We all, we all have a need for love and to express love. We have grounds upon which we can stand and appreciate each other, regardless of where we come from. Absolutely. It is literally in our DNA. That's who we are, is love. We are, unfortunately, taught a lot of incorrect belief systems that pull us away from that knowing. You know, one of the big things I talk about in Born is a, a child's brain around his self-esteem and how he sees the world and himself in the world, totally locked into your brain by eight years old. Now that's a pretty staggering, that's brain science again. <clears throat> that's pretty staggering to think that our whole lives and the way we see ourselves in the world and how the world is responding to us, we've been building on the belief systems that were in place from conception to eight years old. Which will, if you go back and look at what you were taught verbally or modeled, what was modeled in front of you by your family, you'll see where a lot of your walls are and why you keep hitting them. But the beautiful thing is, is that thoughts and feelings don't just happen. Everybody thinks that they just happen and they, they don't. You have, because we were given free will, you have the dominion over choosing the thoughts and the feelings and the belief systems that support what you want. But, and you have to consciously do that. You have to consciously that, do that. This yeah. is a perfect moment for me to mention this, Suzanne and Dee. You know how these memes make the rounds. You see them on Facebook, yes. Twitter. They just, mm -hmm. it's social media. There's a meme that's been circulating for at least the past few years. And I just love it. I had to bring it up today. Here's this for encouragement. The meme, so I saw this on Facebook. The meme says, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> the mom in E.T. had an alien living in her house for days and didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a tea towel in my kitchen with that on it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but isn't that true? We go through life, most of us unconscious. We go through on automatic pilot with the same reactions and the same thoughts uh, every day, every single day, which creates literally the trajectory of our lives. So we're creating our lives. Life isn't just happening. We're creating what it is that our reality is. One, another one of the big things I talk about in Born, and again, I, I want to emphasize how simple this book is to read. You don't have to know anything about any of this in order to read this book and understand it. And, but we are literally electrical beings. They measure our hearts through electrocardiograms. They measure our brains through electroencephalograms. 
So every thought and feeling we have has an electrical impulse that shoots out, right? Into, guess what? An electromagnetic universe. So whatever we're sending out, the universe is searching for that match like a magnet to magnetize to it. And that's what is sent back to us as the reality of our lives. So if we keep saying, oh my God, I don't have any money. Why don't I have any money? I never have any That signal keeps going out to the universe. The universe doesn't judge. It just matches that and keeps sending you back more, not enough money. And what tells me, what that tells me is something that I've suspected for a long time. The universe doesn't argue with you. The universe, Never. creatively speaking, only knows to say yes. So if you're saying as a declarative statement, I never have enough money. I never am able to pay my bills on time. The universe will see to it that that remains the truth for you. Absolutely, because otherwise we do not learn anything about free will and how powerful we are. Why don't we go ahead and take our break? We do. I want to launch into a couple of bigger topics. Yeah. So yeah, let's go ahead and take our break. Okay. We're just a minute and a half early. Give us a couple of minutes and we'll be right back. We are Manson Mitchell and we are privileged to be having this discussion of a high metaphysical order and some fun Hollywood stuff besides with D. Wallace. We'll be right back here at the epicenter of such talk here in Seattle, AM 1150. Colleen Foy Bolin is offering an exclusive Zoom class on savoring life's spiritual moments, Saturday, March 5, from 10 a.m. to noon. This Zoom class shows you how the sacred art of storytelling moves you forward on your path and brings inspiration to others. Your everyday experiences can transform into life-changing events when looked at in a new way through Colleen's creative exercises. You'll discover that enlightenment grows in your own backyard. Colleen is offering this two-hour class at the very affordable price of $20. To register, go to sarasotacenteroflight.com. That's sarasotacenteroflight.com. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working 
for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Charlie Serafin, who asks the question, when did you stop being you? We will go searching for your personal brand in this crazy world. On Saturday, Catherine Alice returns for her pre-Valentine's weekend visit with her personal message, which is love will find you. It's not about tips and tricks. It's a way of life. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Dee Wallace. Before we go any further in the interview, Dee, I really want to make sure that we mention your books again. And there's one in particular that I want to ask you about. But if people want to connect with you, is there a website, social media? What is the best way for them to do that? Oh, my goodness. You can find me all over social media. And my website is IamDWallace.com. If anybody wants to get a signed book from me, they can get it off my website. Excellent. 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 I wanted to go ahead and mention the book titles and I have something to ask you about one in particular, the book titles that you have now are conscious creation, the big E bright light, getting stuff and wake up. Now your newest books are born and Bapalapalu and what I was, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was your, your desire, your impetus for writing a children's book. When we spoke earlier, you talked about having made a decision about your life when you were eight years old. And I, I said to myself, there's a lot of decisions that children make when they're very young about who they are. And then you write this book, which is basically about that. Yeah. So what was it? What were you, are you just like, instead of trying to fix adults who are already broken, it's like you're trying to get in there early and influence children before they've had a chance to get too screwed up. What, what, well, what were you thinking about Bapalapalu? Bapalapalu and the I Love Me's, this is the first book in a series that's going to teach all of the simple creation processes, beautifully illustrated by Vincenzo Lodato, I must say. I just love the illustrations in the book. But again, a child's brain is locked in by eight years old. Right. So don't we wish we had known Mm-hmm. All the the simple ways and and how to create our lives purposefully, right? And how much power we have in doing that. If we were all taught that when we were little, we all wouldn't be sitting here going, "How the hell do I do it now?" Right? Yeah, exactly. And and so I just feel really compelled that it is of vital importance that we teach our children these principles. 
And so the first book in Bupalopaloo is, in Bupalopaloo is this precious little bear. And uh, he's playing with this little boy and the little boy says, well, daddy says I'm not old enough. And grandma says, I'm not tall enough. And mommy says, I'm not a good friend. And, and Bupa says, well, you haven't asked the most important person. And the little boy says, well, who's that? And Papa says, you, who do you want to be? And it's the first lesson in us literally choosing how we want to define ourselves. Because how we define ourselves is, again, how our lives become created. So if you get up and you say, God, I'm always tired. You are saying, I am a person who is always tired, which directs your energy to give you more tired. Because again, energy is neutral. Energy must be directed. If we do not direct it consciously, it will take its direction from the television, God forbid, uh, uh, old-time old religion, which is very limiting. It will take direction from your childhood, where most of us were taught in correct uh, creation methods. You know, so again, the more conscious you can be about how you are directing your own energy, the more powerful your life becomes. And Bapalapalu can do that for children, which I think is, is very nice because your other books are all focused for adults, but here you're taking the same material and you're uh, making it accessible to kids. And it's kind of a long word, but I, I thought I would just spell it real quickly for anybody who would like to look at this for their child or their grandchild. Bupalapalu is B-U-P-P-A-L-A-P-A-L-O-O. -O. A lot of letters in there. Yeah, but, but it's just like, like it sounds. sounds. That's Papa, right. Bupalapalu. And you there know you what's go. so funny, you guys, what? is adults have such a hard time saying it. You said it brilliantly, by the way. But adults, and you say it to a kid, they get here at one time. They get it right away because it's like a song to them. And and we go into our heads, right? Yeah. Yep. And go, okay, let me see. How exactly do I say this? It's really funny <laughs> to me. I wasn't gonna mispronounce it on the radio, D. <laughs> oh, you did good. You did good, woman. All right. <laughs> One of the things that your books indicate to me, and it's a very, very controversial principle in science, or I should say it's more of a hypothesis because you always have an endless stream of people seeking to knock it down, but that's okay. That's all in the scientific thinking game. When I read your work, Dee, I get the strong impression that there is something to this idea of the non-locality of consciousness. If you talk to people who operate, doctors who operate according to the standard 
Western medical model, this biochemical reaction, all the electricity that keeps our brains going, generates all that ideation, all the impulses within the confines of a cranium that's going to give out someday. And when it does, we give out someday, and that's the end of us. And yet, I wonder how can these experiences that people have that cannot be the product of an objective thinking process still happen and verifiably so. All that was said in order to set you up, Suzanne, because you were particularly interested in hearing about Dee Wallace's experience involving her grandmother. Oh, (laughs) well, first of all, let me address your very intellectual Wow, I was sitting here going, my God, is this guy a. <laughs> you just blew me away. You, you sounded like a scientist there. So everything's one energy. We may have a body around us, but that body is around the energy of who we are. When the body leaves, we just go back into the energy of everything, like everything does. It's all one energy. So you can communicate with energy, whether it's in form or not. I do it all the time. Uh, The grandmother's story, and I've done it since I was a little girl, and anybody can do it. Children do it all the time until we teach them that they can't. So... Again, I think I was around eight years old and my grandma and I were very close. She um, she literally raised me because my mom had to work all the time. And one night I got up around 3 a.m. and I went in and woke my mom up and I said, something's wrong at grandma's house. And God bless my mother. She got up and we called grandma and nobody answered. So God bless my mother. We got in the car at 3 a.m., even though she had to leave at 7 to go to work. And we drove over to Grandma's house. And the cat had gotten up on the stove and turned on some of the, you know, tiles. Yeah. Yeah. And so the gas was coming out because they never lit. So... Grandma was okay, and she was fine. I mean, who knows? She may have been fine the next morning. But I got the information from the energy that Grandma wasn't okay. Uh, I had a lot of experiences like that. A lot of kids have experiences. They call them their imaginary friends. You know, and we just shine it off to, oh, isn't that cute? Um, One of my best friends adopted a little boy, and he was about um, four years old, and they were driving. They came to a red stop light, and there was a big semi-truck across the street, and he said, oh, look, Mommy, that's how I died in my last life with my other Mommy. Yeah. You know, I mean... You hear stories about, and guys, how can a four-year-old come in and play piano and violin concertos? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. You know, 
yeah. energy just keeps being reborn and mixed up and there and here. And I, you know, I lost um, um, my brother, my older brother this year. And about a month ago, I said, Denny, I need you to contact me. I need, you know, some communication here. Well, the first, he was a minister for a while. And the first sermon I ever heard him do, he played the song for everything. There is a season, a time to love, a time to hate. Do you know, after I had that conversation with him, the next two days, I heard that song 11 times. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. But, you know, you have to ask to receive, first of all, uh, and you have to be open to it. You can't be afraid of it because there is no negative, bad, evil energy. Of course, as the good book says, as you believe, it will be delivered to you. So your belief systems are really important because if you believe, for example, that, oh gosh, I almost got political there. Is that all right? <laughs> it's your interview as much as ours. Go for it. <laughs> if you believe that bleach is going to, you know, cure COVID, then <laughs> that's your belief system, right? Uh, so belief systems don't have really any logic, uh, logical rules. It's kind of like the movie, The Matrix. Have you ever seen The Matrix? Yes. Okay. Pick a door, any door. You go through that door, you have that reality, right? Right. Well, that's kind of what belief systems are. Your belief systems literally will create the reality of your life. You know, I, I have people call into my show on Sundays and <clears throat> say, well, I'm, I'm afraid to be too powerful because, you know, the, the devil will get me because I, I'm too full of myself. I said, well, I don't know how to answer your question because I have no belief in the devil. Obviously, you have a belief in the devil. So if you have a belief in the devil and, and in dark energy that's going to get you, then you'll create that somehow in the experience of your life. I don't want that in the experience of my life. I don't have any belief in that. And that starts a whole conversation about where their beliefs came from. It's so interesting to me, guys, around religion that... People are using religion to limit themselves in so many ways. And it's not anything that God ever said or taught. It's what man has assumed or interpreted that God said or taught. God said, these miracles and more will you do also. Well, you can't do miracles. If you don't know that you have the power and accept the power to create in your own life, right? Right. So we're just fighting so many 
uh, oxymorons in our belief systems. Yeah, belief systems. It's it's one of my most favorite quotes I read in the last year or so, which I've said many times is theory is good, but it doesn't prevent things from happening. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that because you can theorize about a lot of stuff, but gravity is gravity. Sunlight is sunlight. These things are going to happen, whether or not you think in theory, they should be happening or not happening. Things happen. Things are the way that they are. To an extent. To an extent. Say more about that. Well, for example, I was taught um, one of the things, I can still hear my grandma say it. They're the rich people, Dee Dee. We're the good people. Meaning you're a lot better person if you don't have a lot of money. You're a lot better person if you only have just what you need. Well, it took me a long time to work through that one. Right. Uh, it took me a long time to realize I really needed to go to Hawaii once or twice every two years. You know? <laughs> um, I, and I know... All of these things were taught to us mostly through well-meaning parents who were taught incorrectly from their parents, who were taught incorrectly from their parents, and then since of the fathers just get yes. passed down and passed down. Yep. Yep. And we get limited in so many ways. And so, okay, for example, um, I was taught uh, you never need more than you need <clears throat> and you should keep yourself small because God will love you more. Well, okay, so cut to I'm 32 years old and I'm starring in the biggest blockbuster of all time. Well, that's not playing small. <laughs> well, no, but my little girl at yeah. when ET came out, my little girl pulled way back into fear. Ah. My adult self said, "What? hold on. This is what I've been working for. My right. little girl said, yeah, but God's not going to love you. And you're not going to be a good person. And you shouldn't right. have all this stuff. And it took me about a year to work all of that juxtaposition out within me. Uh, you know, everybody's got that, D. I mean, everybody's got that. Gary and I were talking this morning about uh, our foundations, whether our foundations came from this life or our carryovers from other lives. You, you come in with a certain perspective about life and you keep looking through that lens that that perspective yeah. because that is what you know you don't know what you don't know you only know what you know and so if you don't know anything about creation if you don't know how to get the things that you want in life the relationships and the prosperity and the the good times if you just, if you don't know, you just don't know. And, and so I think we all keep working 
with the foundational information that we either came in with or acquired, as you say, up to eight years old, that's a very difficult thing to break out of. And here you're saying you're 32. It's not. It's not if you're conscious. That's why I wrote Born. See, that's, that's a belief right there, that it's difficult to work out of it. Yep. You know, it's not. If you look at your life and you say, these are the things in my life that I don't want. They're not working. This isn't what I want. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be unhealthy. I don't want to not have a loving relationship in my life. This this isn't what I want. Well, let me look back and see what I was taught that might be creating these things, these beliefs that I have that are creating the life I have. And what thoughts then can I choose because I'm in charge of me, nobody can... Think a thought for me, feel a feeling for me, or hold a belief or a perspective for me that I don't say okay to. I'm the God of me. So what thoughts and belief systems and feelings can I choose then that is going to give me what I want? And Sure, it's a process. Anybody that says buy this blank CD and your life will change, I think is giving you a lot of BS. That's my personal belief system. But the more conscious you become, and I have so many, so many clients who have changed their lives with this. And they all write me and they go, Oh my God, it's unbelievable, Dee. As soon as I changed me, my life changed. Well, duh. Yeah, because you're the one that's directing everything. And it's easy. Yes, it takes you being conscious. And it takes, it can turn around in 24 hours. I've seen it. Usually, it takes a month and a half to two months to really stop the train and turn it around and start bringing in the other stuff because whatever beliefs and feelings and thoughts you have today, you're creating your life tomorrow, next week, two weeks, two months down the road. So when you create every single moment of your day, then you consistently create more of what you want in your life. There was a minister of my acquaintance. She was a science of mind minister, church of religious science, to use the old term, that is so consonant with what you write about, what you teach, Dee. And this minister said to me one time, actually, it was a small group of us talking at church. And she said, if I look at you and you tell me where you are in your life right now, and you described that to me accurately, I can tell you what you were thinking six months ago. Yep. And now it shows up. You Good, bad, or indifferent. 
Weren't you lucky to have her? Oh, absolutely. And she was a terrific teacher of these principles. The universe doesn't argue with you. It has no stake in the outcome because it is reflective by nature. So if you don't like what you're experiencing, why don't you get another thought? And no judgment either. You know, the the universe is not judging us as good or bad. We're judging us. Other people are judging us. The universe isn't saying, oh, that's a good thing. Oh, that's a bad thing. Universe doesn't care. You bet. It's neutral. And it will give you anything you focus on. You know, brain, I'm convinced Christ was teaching brain science. Ah. And the only words they had back then. Yes. You know, in the good book, it says, think only on these things, Mm -hmm. right? Peace, joy, love, happiness. Brain science says, whatever you focus on, you create more of in your life. Yes. What you focus on, you feed and give energy to. And, you know, I think in human history, Jesus of Nazareth was in his physical form, in his physical life, going to be doomed no matter when he showed up. There I had another minister at the same church said one time, Jesus was the one who got it. He got these principles that we talk about now, but he got them 2,000 years ago. So that was a great affront to the religious establishment of his time. It was too radical. In fact, it was so radical that circa 1960, the great Albert Schweitzer was asked, would Jesus do well in today's world? How would he be received there? And Albert Schweitzer said, oh, Jesus wouldn't have been understood at all. He was too far ahead of his time, no matter when he would have shown up. This is a radical concept we're talking about here. Well, or maybe it's a simple one. Let's leave it with that. I like that. I like <laughs> it. and easy, and and we're and we're doing it. How and about why don't we that? take up? Let's take up this simple stuff a little bit later in the year, D. Wallace. We're absolutely thrilled any time we get the chance to talk to you, and we'd like to talk with you some more about Born and Bulapaloo. Bulapaloo. I've been been trying for five years to say that correctly, and I still can't get it right. I am back whenever you want me. I love Scott. By then I'll know how to pronounce it. (laughs) Thank you, my dear. Always a pleasure. You're quite lovely, Dee. Thanks so much for giving us a And you. Go create a fabulous day. Bye-bye. All right. And stay tuned at 1 o'clock Pacific time for Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Thanks so much for listening to us today. Have a great weekend, everyone.